All statements and opinions expressed by guests of the Adult in the Room podcast are strictly their own and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or opinions of the host, producers, or advertisers. All interviews are presented in their most complete possible form in the interests of free speech. No statements should be interpreted as financial, legal, or medical advice. Listener and viewer discretion are strongly advised. It's the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. That's me. And welcome to another special edition of the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. You know, the Biden administration has commenced a criminal case against former president and Biden's chief political rival in 2024, Donald Trump. In bringing these 37 charges in federal court by a D.C. federal grand jury, the Biden administration, in the form of special counsel Jack Smith and his boss, Merrick Garland of the Justice Department, accused the president of many things. Uh, they accuse him of taking documents that weren't his because they were super secret. And that's because they say so. And if you were found guilty, which if the charges didn't convince you enough, they would be the fruition of full banana republic status in the U.S. By bringing these charges, which depend on ignoring separation of powers, the Presidential Records Act, maybe even the Fourth, Fifth, and Sixth Amendments, President Biden has radical minions are hoping that they'll win the public opinion battle, which presents the question to the American people. It goes like this. Do you hate President Trump more than you love the Constitution? Notwithstanding the fact that this case belongs in my compost pile, President Trump could end up in prison, really could. That's just my layperson's opinion. My guest on the Adult in the Room podcast is Harvey Silverglate, an esteemed civil rights attorney, a classical liberal, author of this book, Three Felonies a Day, How the Feds Target the Innocent. He's also on the legal team now of a former pro a Trump uh, attorney, John Eastman, who's under indictment for providing the president with legal advice based on legal theories with which the regime did not agree. Therefore, he was charged. So now the California bar is trying to disbar Eastman, a former law school dean in good standing. And of this case, Harvey Silverglate wrote on his website, as a criminal defense and civil liberties attorney and writer for over a half century, I have seen many miscarriages of justice caused by stampedes led by politicians, prosecutors, and alas, journalists. These investigations are made more dangerous by the ease with which one can be investigated and even indicted, as I've tried to explain in my 2009 book entitled Three Felonies a Day, How the Feds Target the Innocent. The California Bar's decision, he goes on, to seek disciplinary action against an attorney in a case as hotly disputed and nuanced as this particular one, both legally and factually, is equally troubling and should be to all attorneys who recognize the importance of our adversarial system of justice. He said something similar, um, and it seems to me he could have said this very thing about Donald Trump. Welcome back to the Adult and the Room podcast, Harvey Silverglade. Thank you so much for coming on. And I'd just like to ask you an opening question, and it's this. Are we in a banana republic uh, status now, by your reckoning, with this Trump indictment? Well, first of all, uh, Eastman has not been indicted yet, and we're hoping to avoid an indictment if we can get an audience with the prosecutors. <clears throat> I think it's quite clear, and I'm not just saying this as an advocate, 
that John Eastman has not committed any crimes. But, you know, the um, prosecutors have been imbibing this culture of thinking that just about anything can be criminalized because the federal, federal statutes especially are so broad and so vague. You know, it outlaws mail fraud and wire fraud. That means any fraud that is per, uh, perpetrated with, by the use of the telephone lines or the mails or so forth and so on. But these crimes are not generally defined. The means are defined, but not the crimes. And that's the reason why I compare it to um, Stalinist Russia, where Beria, the secret police chief, said, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. We are the the the, the sense of my three felonies a day uh, book was that any American who gets up in the morning and goes to sleep at night between getting up and going to sleep has probably arguably committed three federal felonies. Well, this is not how a libertarian democracy is supposed to function. I think that it's time for a complete revamping of the federal criminal code where specific crimes are outlawed rather than these vague general mail fraud, wire fraud, because it gives federal prosecutors enormous destructive power. And I can relate that to these these Trump um, um, prosecutions. And, and let me tell you something else. Even if a reasonable analysis of the facts and the law show that Trump committed crimes, I think it is highly improper and unwise to be prosecuting him before a highly contested Republican primary that will then result in a presidential election. Because what it does is it's a crime against the voters because it seeks to deprive the voters of the ability to reelect Trump if they want to. Now, I, I'm not a Trump fan. I didn't vote for Trump. I didn't vote for Biden either. I voted Libertarian. But um, it seems to me that this is still a democracy and that if Trump can get the nomination, he should be allowed to run. There's a five-year statute of limitations. Whoever the attorney general is could seek an indictment within five years. What's the rush? Well, there's only one explanation for the rush. It's what I call candidate suppression. You know, we've heard of voter suppression. This is candidate suppression. It's a setup. They want Biden to run against somebody that he could beat. And um, there's some question as to whether he can beat Trump. Um, you know, Biden is not, uh, that's another issue. And I'm, I don't want to keep going on without you asking me questions, but I think it's outrageous that Biden is running for another term. He's, he's too old. Now, I'm 81 now. I wouldn't run for president of the United States because I don't think that a, a person that old should be in the, in the White House. There's a there's a lack a lowering acuity of your your mental abilities your your physical abilities we we see him stumbling all over the place, um, so um, the the voters don't realize that they're really voting for whether Kamala Harris should be president of the United States. So and you notice there's this vigorous now. How many candidates are there now vying for the Republican nomination? Oh, Maybe at least five that I'm aware of. At least yeah. twelve, I think. They, oh, really? They, they grow every day. Um, I think the last one who got in was Chris Christie. Oh, that's right. Um, I forgot about that tranche. Uh, but um, 
um, you know, there's no contest in the Democrats. Now, there are, there are at least a dozen Democrats who it seems to me would be qualified to run. I don't know how, whether I'd vote for them. I, I probably would vote Libertarian again. But um, it's a disservice to the party and to the electorate and to the nation to have somebody like Biden running for uh, for re-election. So there are, there are more things wrong with this election than any I can think of uh, in, in my lifetime. Um, and, um, well, I'm just, that, that, that's, that's my it. rant. Do uh, you have a question? Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, I have to say that you might be being naive, Harvey, because I mean, the fact that Trump, they were, they're trying to ice out Trump for the 24 election isn't necessarily, it's, it's a, a feature, not a bug with, with, uh, what's going on right now. And I think that they've, they are trying to do that, but there might be something else, you know, some 3D chess move in there somewhere that perhaps we're not aware of at the moment. But they're indicting Trump over him keeping uh, what the law says are his own records, which are constitu constitutionally his own records. So uh, if you agree with that, great. Um can they indict him over something like that? Or do you disagree that these are his own records? Um, I think that it's a, it's, a, it's a question. That is, I don't think either side can with 100% assurance argue its case. But the problem is that that is, that is precisely what reasonable doubt is about. And they, when there's some question, they shouldn't be indicting somebody. Um, I know, I, I, as I said, I'm not sure which side is right, but if I'm not sure, then the system isn't sure. And um, so, so the whole thing stinks from, from top to bottom, and it looks like a pretext because it is a pretext. That's right. Um, okay, so what about vagueness in the, in the law? Isn't there something against the overwhelming or overgeneralization uh, or vagueness of a law which prohibits its being used in this manner yes. against an individual? The, the reason for that is that unless a law is clear, there, there is no confidence that somebody acted with a knowing intent to violate a clear legal obligation. That is the, that is the basis of the criminal justice system. We, we prosecute people who, knowing, who act in a manner knowing that it's in violation of the law. And um, in in these um, in, in these kinds of uh, federal prosecutions that are so vague, um, there's a real problem. It's inherent in the federal system, but it is particularly inherent when you're dealing with a president who would, who dealt with documents where there's a reasonable argument that what he did was lawful. There's a, there's an argument that he was, that was unlawful. It's lawful. They should have brought a civil a civil action. And let a federal court decide who's right. That's how you deal with situations where there's vagueness. You bring a civil action. They brought a criminal action in order to keep him from running against a very unpopular Democratic candidate looking for re-election. Do national security laws trump Presidential Records Act in Article 2? Well, it's not a question of whether... Article 2 is more important than national security. It's a question of what the law means. 
And I think that there is a real question here as to what the law means. Uh, presidents do have enormous power in national security areas, but those powers are endowed by law and hopefully with, by clear statutes. Many federal statutes are not clear, and that raises problems in not only national security cases, but in many of my clients' cases. You know, it's kind of interesting on statutes and stuff. We've talked about the uh, Chevron doctrine before, uh, you know, the the um, preference before for giving the people in the bureaucracy the ability to clarify a law that uh, Congress hasn't made very clear. So we get rid of the Chevron deference in the next session. The, of the regulatory US. power you talk yeah, about. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, but then uh, we, we still allow something to be so vague in criminal law, which is now cornered a president. It seems odd, don't you think? Well, you know, it's, <laughs> the, the joke is, and it's not such a joke because there's a lot of truth to it, that Federal law can be all, uh, the entire federal criminal code can be replaced by one sentence. Thou shalt not do that which should not be done. <laughs> there you go. How unusual is it for a prosecutor to invoke the speedy trial preference? Isn't it the defendant's privilege or something that w- the defendant would have some say over? Because yes. that's what Jack did in the Jack Smith yes, video. Yes, but the reason they're looking to try it quickly is they want to disable him from being a candidate. I mean, this is all so transparent mm-hmm. um, that it's um, it would be a joke if it was if, if it was funny, but it's not funny. Yeah. Um, the person who's uh, the president's valet, the former Navy officer who uh, began to work for President Trump after he left office, has been also brought up on charges as a co-conspirator and someone who engaged in obstruction of justice. Is it obstruction of justice to uh, say in a uh, an interview with uh, lawyers that he doesn't remember, doesn't know? Well... Um, it's only, it's not obstruction of justice if if it's if it's clear that he's lying. There are perjury prosecutions. Obstruction is a, one of those again vague terms. What what is an obstruction of justice? Perjury is simple: that you knowingly tell a material lie, knowing that you're lying. That's materiality and knowledge. And intent are crucial in perjury. Obstruction of justice is one of those wishy-washy kind of things. You know, you made it more difficult for the prosecutors. What, what does it even mean, obstruction of justice? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I'm just trying to get to get the packing order here. For example, the special counsel works for the attorney general, which who works for the President of the United States in the executive branch, Article 2. So um, somehow Congress has been asked to measure, you know, weigh in here. And so does, uh, first of all, do these players who are engaged right now in trying to wrest away the authority of the president to determine what is a personal record and and, uh, classify and declassify, do they have the right to do this? Well, Congress can act by legislation, uh, but when it doesn't act by legislation, then questions arise. Let me give you an example. The January 6th committee did something that's unprecedented and, in my view, clearly, clearly unconstitutional. 
they refer in in the January sixth report. They referred the report to the Department of Justice with a recommendation that prosecutions be brought. Now that's not the role of Congress. That is, Congress makes the law; the executive enforces them. It is a violation of the separation of powers for a congressional committee to recommend prosecution. I've I'm I'm I've been practicing law since 1967. And I can tell you, I can't think of a single instance where that has happened. Um, the Congress, when it wanted to examine Watergate and Richard Nixon, it established this committee with powers. It specified certain powers. That hasn't been done here. So, um, you know, Jamie Raskin, is was he, is he running the country? I mean, this is all so crazy. And if you just take a step back, you say to yourself, it's Trump mania. This would not have happened except for this pathological hatred of Donald Trump. Sure. Okay. So that brings up my first question or uh, the question posed in the introduction to this podcast. And it was the want or is it uh, really a choice between hatred of Trump and doing anything to get him and the love of the Constitution? Because I really think that is where we are. Well, and that's the why battle. they're doing it, because Donald Trump is just such a douchebag to so many people. Well, you know, if if being a douchebag is a crime, right. we, don't have enough, we don't have enough prisons. That's correct. Exactly um, right. You know, um, it's not a crime to be a jerk. It's not a crime to be a jerk, because if it were, first of all, the, the definition of jerk is too vague to, to survive constitutional <laughs> scrutiny. You know, I might know who the jerks are, but uh, not everybody would agree with my definition right. of what a jerk is and who's a jerk. You know, the, the thing about this country is that it is the most diverse country in the world in every way, ideologically, ethnically, philosophically, um, and that's because it's a nation of immigrants. Um, if you you have um, most nations, the overwhelming number of people are of the, of the same ethnicity, the same religion, the same race. We don't have that. We have an enormous number of uh, African Americans. We have an enormous number of, uh, of, of uh, Asians. We have an awful number of Caucasians. And the Caucasians are broken down into people who've, whose ancestors immigrated from England, or from Russia, from Poland, like my grandparents were immigrated from Russia and Poland, um, from from all over the world. And so, um, you know, we we don't agree on everything um, because it's such a you know this is not like Sweden for God's sakes, and. Um, so we need clear laws. That's the reason we need clear laws, because in the absence of clear laws, we disagree on things. And we, you know, the majority of Congress votes to pass a clear law. And as a nation that's law-abiding, we tend to accept it. Um, this, this country has a, uh, a, a long record of the uh, acceptance, for example, of Supreme Court opinions. You could have, there have been very unpopular Supreme Court opinions, and yet they're obeyed. You know, why is that so? Because we have inculcated this idea of the rule of law, that in order not to be um, a, 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 a nation of tyrants, we have the law that we follow. And um, 
we we agree to follow it even if we don't agree with it. Well, you know, a lot of these basic fundamental assumptions are being upset in the pursuit of Donald Trump. It's it's quite remarkable. It is quite remarkable, but I know one thing for sure, for sure. They drum out Trump, for example, in the 2024 election, maybe. Then what happens? All of a sudden, Ron DeSantis, the next in line, is going to become the most hated man in America by the media as well as everyone else, uh, because that's just the game. It ain't a, it ain't the guy. It's the game. It's real easy to hate Trump. He's a blowhard. He says stuff like blah blah. He's not as big a blowhard as Biden, but he he's in that rarefied portion of blowhards. He's up there above them all, and both of them are. Uh, and I think that people need to you know be the adult in the room, so to speak, and just take a look at what they're asking someone to be prosecuted over. They're asking him to be prosecuted over uh, these the use of documents that were that were I think inarguably his to have. Um, but you disagree? You think there's a little bit of? Um, I disagree with the inarguably opacity I, in there. I think it's a reasonable argument. When you yeah. have reasonable arguments, you don't go prosecuting people. Well, that's well, the, yeah, exactly. And and uh, we, it's not even just it's not even opaque, Harvey. There are three major cases in which the Presidential Records Act has this said uh, overtly that the president has the right to determine what's classified. Uh, what is uh, national security and all of that stuff. And by virtue of walking out of the White House, i.e. Bill Clinton's sock drawer with 47 tapes, he can determine that which is against, you know, contrary to national security. He has the sole authority to do that. I think that is the better argument. It's not 100%, but it is the better argument. It's the only one we've got, right? It's the only one we've got. Yes. And it's and it's bootstrapped, if you will. It's not even bootstrapped. It's like yep. legit. It and is it's out. also very clear that other presidents have done exactly the same thing and have not been gone after. Absolutely. And, there are three cases right now. Hillary, well, Hillary Clinton, she destroyed evidence. That was a obstruction of just, a justice, clearly. Right. Clearly that was, and nothing happened to her. And I don't like to point at other, well, they didn't like her enough to, you know, go after her. They didn't like him well enough to go after him. And uh, guess what? What's right is right. And what's wrong is wrong. We have to get above the personalities involved here, right? Now I have a question. Since no other presidents have ever been indicted and criminally prosecuted for possessing so-called national security classified documents. Any classification. Can this Trump indictment be said to be selective prosecution on its face? Yes. I mean, anyone with half a brain realizes that's exactly what it is. But guess who's prosecuting him? The Justice Department under the Biden administration. The guy who wanted to be a U.S. Supreme Court Justice, thank God Merrick Garland didn't get there. He's because a man. Of Donald Trump. What's that? Because of Donald Trump. Because of Nick Mitch McConnell. Well, and, and fair the, enough. I mean, fair enough. Donald Trump ended up make, getting the appointments because Mitch McConnell Absolutely. torpedoed. Right. That, that's exactly right. And he's never been forgiven for it by a lot of people. I just thank God for him every day. Every time, every time Merrick Garland does something this 
overtly, radically political. I thank God that he didn't get on the court. I I just do. Now, let's go to the search warrant on the Trump raid just real briefly, because that was said at the time to be a general warrant. And even if that's an overstatement, even an overly broad warrant is unconstitutional, correct? Yes, unenforceable. Yes. They they enforced it. They took right. they, they they admitted they and, took stuff they weren't the, supposed to have. But the issue the issue won't be decided unless and until they indict Trump. And they've indicted and him. Then, so aren't we looking at a case of the fruits of the poisonous tree then? That they may not win this case in the end. The goal was not to win the case. The goal yeah. was to stop him from being a candidate for president. I just want more people to look at this situation and say, this is, this is just wrong on its face. There isn't one decent argument except the one you brought up that would say that there should have been any charge against Donald Trump on this. I've, you know what? You've been around a long time, Harvey. Have you ever, ever seen anything like this? No. And I've been doing this since 1967. This is worse than anything Richard Nixon dreamed about doing. Agree? Yep. 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 Okay. Now, we're looking at a case of the fruits of the poisonous tree in this case. This thing it seems to me, and I I'm not I don't know about the ins and outs, but you know, you could bring up all of these, the case law, the constitution, all of this, and ask for uh, a, a summary judgment, couldn't you? And just have this bad boy tossed? Yes. But don't you see, the purpose of what they're doing is not to win. The purpose is to keep him from running for president. And what, once you look at it from that point of view, it answers a lot of these questions. But, but okay. And, and, and agreed. Absolutely agreed. Um, but, and because there, this is just the, this is the the feature, not the bug. So, we have people who um, suggest that this also might be a blind behind which uh, Biden could be planning a big grand exit. You know, clearly he's a guy who's lined up, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom to come in in the event, or you know, who knows the bluebird of uh, uh, Michelle Obama come in, uh, you know, when he decides he's not going to run anymore because he he just can't do that right now for whatever reason. Maybe it's he's waiting for Michelle because she doesn't want to run for president. She just wants to be the president. Who knows? Who knows? But um, the thing is, is that there might be a case in which Biden might be looking for a way to pardon him and his family and Trump too through this whole process and make him look good. If Biden were to lose the presidency, I have very little doubt that he would pardon himself and his whole family and his friends. Um, I think that would happen. If, If by some chance Trump were found criminally liable here in this case, have you ever heard of somebody saying that they didn't want a pardon? I mean, if you were Trump, I'm sure Trump would take it because he's just that guy who just wants to get on with his life. But I mean, on. I I don't offhand know of a single case where a person would turn down a pardon. 
because this should this case never should have been brought which which we agree on would you ever give up your now in the in the this case is made in part by piercing the attorney client privilege right and this there are notes from trump's attorney um there are notes from or there are notes from trump's attorney when which he says well you know and and a and a recording in which he said that um he you know this is a this is a document that says x y and z uh, without knowing whether that person was able to a see the document b comprehend the document he just took trump's word for it now all of this is uh pretty uh i mean would would you accept if let's say you had a a legal assistant uh, you know somebody who was a, an associate in your law firm and who came up with it well, i think this might fly i mean i don't actually have proof of this but would you would you tell him to go find something else to put in the indictment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you ever give up your notes to nope. prosecutors? Nope. What should they have done? I would let that go to the Supreme Court, which, which you, would, uh, I think, back to my, my my position. Yeah. Are you shocked that they gave up some records? It's just easy yes. to give up Trump records, right? Because he's such an unlikable dude. Yep, I, I'm shocked and disappointed. Should they be disbarred? I think that it's a certainly a a close question. They don't deserve to be in the positions that they're in. So they left Trump's employ on the very day that the the indictment was handed up. And it, yeah, yeah, go on. No, I was going to say the reason was because they were outed in the document. As having yeah. given up their private notes, and by the way, do you take notes on your your um, def your uh, clients? Of course, I do, and those are privileged. I've never had them uh, subpoenaed. I've never had them seized. Have you ever been asked for them? No, I think because the prosecutors I've dealt with know that I'm not going to give them up. It's, there's no sense asking. Has in this case, has what, what what impact would that have on the case? Well, I think any prosecution is going to be so tainted that it's not going to succeed. But as I've said before, the, the purpose of this is not to succeed; it's to keep him from running for president. Okay, so you say that, and you've said it multiple times during this interview. Great. I understand that. Perfect clarity. Now, now aren't we in a banana republic? <laughs> this, is, well, this is ridiculous. We're, we're certainly heading in that direction, and that's why all this is so dangerous. And the, the people who are in doing this should be ashamed of themselves. Mm -hmm. But, of course, they're not. They think they're virtuous. So I've heard an attorney I respect talking about the different things that have happened to Donald Trump in this particular prosecution. And, uh, you know, uh, he's been denied his Fourth Amendment rights, Fifth Amendment rights, Sixth Amendment rights, and arguably his First Amendment rights. Um, wh what are they going to do, bat for the cycle and go for all of them? Probably. I mean, I... I, I I don't know. I can't predict. Uh, th this is 
new territory. This is not something that we've experienced before. And uh, all I can tell you is that I believe this is an assault on democracy because the powers that be are trying to avoid having a popular candidate run for re-election. And so that's why I said at the beginning of this interview, it's candidate suppression. That's the motive. It's so obvious that I, you know, I'd love to debate somebody on the other side um, because I'd make mincemeat of him or her or, or it. And yet you have an entire Department of Justice arrayed preparing to go after the president again. Now, I recognize it's one of their 2016 efforts didn't work. Their, their 2020 efforts did work. Now they're coming back after 2024. I'm, I'm afraid for our country. And, and you know, you know, I've had a long, a long held position that the FBI should be abolished because it's in, incurable, unreformable. It has the culture of J. Edgar Hoover that never got rid of that. Um, and it's basically a criminal organization um, incapable of reform. I think if you need a federal uh, law enforcement agency, we have to have a whole new organization with a new name, new leadership, new agents, because the only way of getting rid of that culture of lying, of phoning up reports. And let me tell you about one of my pet peeves among many. Um, if the FBI wants to interview you, you have a, you get a lawyer. The FBI agents say, well, could you come down to FBI headquarters? If your lawyer has half a brain, the lawyer would say, no, let's do it in my office. The agents show up. How many agents show up? Two. Always two. One takes notes and the other one does the Q&A. Those notes are typed up in a report known as a Form 302 report. It is the official record of what's asked and, crucially, answered. Now, the reason the FBI doesn't allow under its regular, there's a written regulation that they will not conduct an interview that is tape recorded. The reason for this is that these Form 302s are not, are almost never accurate. The Form 302s have what they wish the interviewee had said, rather than what the interviewee really said. And then, if the interviewee is going to try, is, is called as a witness at the trial, he or she, if the, he testifies contrary to the Form 302, he's susceptible to being indicted for a felony. Why? Because the argument the government has is, if the 302 is the official record of what he said, and he testifies under oath differently, then he's committed perjury. Or... If the testimony is true, then what he told the FBI was false, and it's a crime, it's a five-year felony to lie to a federal official. So you're caught between a stone and a hard place, and these witnesses, they testify as the FBI report says they 
well, you know what what the, what the FBI report says that they they said at the interview, and that's why the FBI doesn't allow recording. It's really um, it's a scam, and it should be a crime. But of course, who's going to enforce it against the FBI? So as I said, it has to be abolished. It's just beyond hope. I am more and more agreeing with you. This is uh, the intelligence aspect of the FBI has expanded geometrically and turned its intelligence network um, and arrayed it against the American people. And, you know, when, let me ask you something to clarify. You know, you talked about January 6th and on our previous discussion, you talked about how the way in which they have gone after January 6th protesters and or rioters or trespassers, et cetera, is unconstitutional. Could you could you sort of uh, suss that out for me? Well, I think that what they've done is they have greatly expanded the definition of riot and they have now blurred the line between riot and legitimate protest. And there are, this is meant to keep demonstrations from happening in the future. And it violates the First Amendment, in my view, quite clearly. And so as they grounded them up, you know, there was, a, we talked to a January 6th protester uh, who was a trespasser. He, we talked to the QAnon shaman guy, the guy with the wearing the horns. And um, he couldn't really tell us a whole heck of a lot, but we do know that um, he didn't do anything that violated, uh, he, he, he didn't, he didn't commit a crime per se. He admitted or his attorney had him plead out to the, um, uh, one, uh, was it a 502 or whatever it is, but basically interrupting a, an official proceeding, which they're bootstrapping onto all of these just to get them on a federal felony. And, um, and so, I just wonder, I, t I was talking to him and I thought the, the way in which they went after and prepared, they actually went out and got people before they actually had probable cause, I think. Oh yeah, you were there. We're going to, we're going to come shake you down for information to take you in. Now, not all of them were taken in. Some of them were questioned and released, but that sort of wholesale approach to going after people because you think an entire swath of, of population has done something wrong. It seems on its face wrong to me. How am I wrong about that? You know, you're right. If you, you have to analyze the conduct of the individual and see if it really broke a law, and you have to be very careful not to be trapped by the uh, vagueness of federal criminal statutes. And this is a case in which um, th this is a, it's reasonable to say that most, not all, most of these cases are political prosecutions. That's something we haven't had in the United States um, since since when? I mean, there were a few political prosecutions during the Vietnam War, um, but uh, I can't remember in my lifetime. 
Um, let me ask you one more question. I know you're going to say that this is all about something else, but just if you were trying to win this case in court, can the whole case be thrown out just because there was no crime, because the president gets to say what's classified and unclassified and, and that which he takes out of the White House or his documents? Yes, I think I think that ultimately that would be the result. But guess what? That would occur after the next election. And if there's no crime, you can't breach attorney. You can't convince or cajole or coerce someone into breaching attorney-client privilege. Correct. Correct. Okay, then what the hell are we doing here? Well, we know what we're doing here. It's candidate suppression. I said that God. a while ago. I know you're. I mean, I know, I know, and I'll stop it because I know the listeners are probably thinking, "Yes, Victoria, we know." <laughs> Let me ask you something. The it's so. Uh, gobsmacking to know that the Justice Department is going after a former president for his documents. And and uh, nothing ever leaked until the FBI got involved. And yet, the FBI and the DOJ leak all the time in order to create a particular media narrative and I know that we both know that's wrong on all levels because it is prejudicial to a would-be uh, jury as well as um, prejudicial to the court of public opinion. And that's, it's, that's the design feature of this. And yet on this day, you and I are talking on the day that we learn that Daniel Ellsberg has died at the age of 92. And he's the guy who leaked the Pentagon Papers that gave chapter and verse about all the lies and distortions that were told in order to get us into the Vietnam War on a large scale basis, and about which President Nixon went to court to stifle uh, the publication as, and, and to stop it because he thought that there were uh, national security uh, implications involved there. And these papers were not about Richard Nixon. He just wanted to preserve the idea that the uh, National security documents are national security documents. And, and on this day, Daniel Ellsberg is celebrated for having leaked those documents and the New York Times having published them. And President Trump is re reviled and um, indicted. Don't tell me that you are that you are stunned that we have double standards here. I'm not stunned at all. Yeah, I just want people to to, to know. Did you know, ever meet Daniel Ellsberg? Did you know him? Yes. Um, tell me I about also, that. Also, um, I also represented Senator Mike Gravel. Um, Senator Gravel uh, actually had a copy of the papers, and he got up and he started to read them at a session of the Senate, uh, for which he was excoriated. But what he pointed out was that th there was nothing in there that really was um, national security. It was embarrassing to the administration. You know, that's what not the Nixon administration. It was just a, it was embarrassing to the Johnson administration. The Johnson administration, and um, and you know, um, the, the the joke among us criminal lawyers is that the biggest national security secret that. The government works very hard to uh, keep secret is that so many of our political leaders are idiots. <laughs> I knew you were going there. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, that is so true. They really don't like to be embarrassed, do they? They do not like to be embarrassed. Where does this Trump case go now? You don't think it'll ever get to a courtroom? Jonathan Turley doesn't think it'll ever get to a courtroom. I don't think it'll get to a courtroom, but the goal was never to bring it to a courtroom. The goal was to stop Donald Trump from being a candidate for president. It's it's so palpably clear. It isn't even funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. Any last thoughts on this case uh, besides what you've already said? Um, uh, I would just like to have you talk about the legal profession allowing such a distortion of the law to proceed. Well, I, I'm, I'm not proud of a lot of the uh, the lawyers who were who were on this, um, and uh, they should be ashamed of themselves. What more can I say? Um, it's uh, it hasn't uh, it hasn't put the legal profession in a good light. Um, you know, lawyers as it is have difficulty with the reputation of of the uh, the the the, uh, the the bar. Um, uh, a lot of people don't understand how the legal system works, and they think, well, you know, people have said to me, oh, you know, you represent such a horrible person. I said, look, calm down. If I was a cardiologist and this horrible person got a heart attack in a movie theater, and I happened to be in the movie theater, I would lose my license if I didn't resuscitate this horrible person. But as a lawyer, I represent the constitutional rights of horrible people or people who seem to be horrible, and I'm looked upon as some kind of monster. Fortunately, to to quote a great movie line, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Um, but um, I, and I don't. I've I've developed a very thick skin precisely because of the number of hypocrites, and idiots, and fools who criticize the exercise of constitutional rights. I wanted to ask you something about the John Eastman case, I guess. What's, what's going on with that? Well, I can't talk too much about it. He's my client. But I'll tell you this. He acted as a lawyer. And he acted within the bounds of the law. And if he's indicted, he's going to win. I have a very high, uh, uh, a high confidence that he's going to win. I'm hoping that we are able to keep them from indicting him because being indicted is no fun, even if you win in the end. But I don't believe he's committed a crime. And I also think that the press doesn't understand what he did. Um, I had a, upon the publication of one particularly egregious story, I asked the reporter to meet with me. He was very surprised. I met with the lawyer for, for the, with the uh, reporter for an hour, and I think he understood what I was talking about. Too bad I didn't meet with him before he did the report. But too many reporters are not legally sophisticated. They should be. You know, I went to law school with the aim not of being a lawyer. I went to to the to law school with the aim of being a reporter who would be sophisticated in legal matters. But I got so interested in the law that I decided to practice law instead of journalism, although I still write a lot of columns and articles. Uh, I'm sort of, uh, you know, one third of my time is, sp is spent writing uh, rather than litigating. Plus, lawyers need to be good writers. But our reporters, our reporters uh, do not know, understand enough about the law, and uh, they should. 
Uh, yeah, that's true. Harvey Silverglate, always a wonderful open-eyed discussion with you. I really appreciate your point of view. And I'm so pleased that you're on the right side and not and not the bad guy side. I mean and I, and I appreciate your asking me intelligent questions. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that's high honor. I don't I, know how uncommon that is these days. <laughs> well, I try to do. book up. I try to book up when I talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Right on. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Adult in the Room podcast. To keep the programs you like to listen to, please rate this podcast with a fantastic five stars on your Apple podcast app every time you listen and give me a great review. Plus, of course, subscribe to the podcast. It makes a difference with the big tech algorithm and the big tech oligarchs, and it makes us easier to find. Please get in touch with me on all the big tech stuff. Yeah, we're still there. Using the names Victoria Taft or the Adult in the Room podcast on MeWe, Parlor, Minds, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks to 1A Cast for imaging, editing, and production. The fantastic song is Gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for Antifa versus Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by Raps by RC. The Adult in the Room podcast is also a production of Flamingo Road Studios. Remember, head up, heart out, and strive to be the adult in the room. Till next time, mischief managed. <laughs>